Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We left the air yesterday talking about how to determine whether Christ is in you. We are examining the text in 2 Corinthians 13.5 that exhorts us to examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, test yourselves, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified. This and a few similar exhortations scattered throughout the New Testament ought to be taken seriously by those who profess to be Christians. Whoever arrived at the concept that Christians should never, as they normally put it, would put it, would be, should never doubt your salvation. If you've ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then you should know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have been saved and that if you die, you're going to heaven and you should never doubt it. Well, doubt may not be the word I would have chosen here, but it it does fit into the context of what we are told in 2 Corinthians 13.5, namely, that we are to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith, to test ourselves to see if Jesus Christ is in us. Now, I don't know what you want to call that, whether you want to call that doubting your salvation or just being obedient to the Word of God that tells you that there ought to be this kind of examination from time to time. Obviously, if there were no possibility that you might be disqualified, the last phrase of this text Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Evidently, some people are. Evidently, some of the members of the church at Corinth were disqualified. Those who had professed faith in Christ, those who had presumably asked Jesus Christ to save them, but they were disqualified. Now, how can you tell? The the issue is not the question of eternal security, namely, if a person is once saved, are they always saved? That's not the question. The question is, have you ever truly been saved? Or do you have a counterfeit profession of faith? Do you have an empty profession of faith? Do you have a mistaken profession of faith? That's the question. That's what needs to be examined and tested. Anyone who has truly been born again is eternally secure, but many, many of those who claim to have been born again 
are not going to be in heaven. Many, said Jesus, shall say to me in that day, have we not served you? Have we not believed in you? Have we not trusted you? I'm paraphrasing now what Jesus said, and he said, I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, don't assume that that phrase, workers of iniquity, means that you are living a profligate life in drunkenness and adultery, though if that is the case, then you have no biblical reason to think that you have been born again. No biblical reason to think so. Am I saying it's impossible that you are? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you have no biblical reason to claim assurance of salvation if you are living that kind of lifestyle. But you see, iniquity can also be pride. Iniquity can also be unending stubbornness. Iniquity can also be unending slander and gossip and all kinds of things that are contrary to the Bible and contrary to the Spirit of Christ that often betray that a person who claims to be a Christian has never truly been born again. So, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? I pause at this point to welcome you to this Tuesday December 19, Beacon Broadcast. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for helping us financially, and thank you for considering sending a year-end gift to the Beacon Broadcast. We trust God to supply our financial needs. Well, how do you tell if Christ is in you? We started talking about this on the broadcast yesterday, so I'll pick it up and move on. What are the evidences of the presence of Christ? Because that's what we are told to test here. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless <laughs> unless you are disqualified, which would be another way of saying, don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you unless he's not? You don't assume that he is. You test to see if he is. And what are you looking for? Well, you're looking for Christ-like characteristics. If Jesus Christ is in you, there should be a Christ-like humility within you. Does that characterize you? I'm not saying perfect humility, but I'm saying is there a Christ-like humility in your life? Would other people say that they see a Christ-like humility in your life? Can you say my former carnal pride, which I still have too much of, but my formal, former carnal pride is decreasing and the humility of Christ is increasing. Is that true? If that's true, then you likely have Christ within you. You are testing yourself to see if Jesus Christ is in you. Obedience is another characteristic. The obedience of Christ is, if I could use the word, legendary. His perfect obedience to the Father. Here he is, the eternal Son of God, who surrenders himself, submits himself, obeys the directions, the instructions, the commands of his heavenly Father. And you are a child of God, so you profess. You say that Jesus Christ is within you, so you profess. Do you show anything close to the spirit of obedience that Christ demonstrated? If so, that's pretty good evidence that Jesus Christ is in you. How about love? 
I mean true biblical love. Christ displayed love to the nth degree, to the perfect degree. And we will never get to that level until we get to heaven. But do you have a love for the people of God? Do you love the people of God? Do you love to be with the people of God? Do you miss it if you are hindered by providential circumstances from being with the people of God? Does that bother you because you love them so much? Or are you one of these professing Christians that never seems to make any real connections within the local church, maybe is bouncing around from one church to another, you get you go to one for a while, then you get get your feelings hurt, and you go to another one for a while, and then something else happens, and you uh, you you don't aren't satisfied there anymore, and so you go to another one for a while, and you never really make any connections, never really put down roots, you never really develop any strong love for the people that you are worshiping with, and fellowshipping with, and partnering with, and I'm not saying that it's never never appropriate to leave a church and go to another one, but it better be for a pretty obviously biblical reason. Not just because you've gotten tired of it, not just because you've gotten your feelings hurt, not just because you've gotten put out, not just because you've had a conflict with somebody in the church and you're not willing to stay and work on it in a biblical manner. You're going to, you're going to, handle this conflict the same way you, unfortunately, have been handling other conflicts in your life. If you have a relationship that you're not happy with, you just leave and go someplace else and start all over again. That's not biblical love. Read carefully 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for the characteristics of biblical love. Jesus demonstrated biblical love. He loved people who did try his patience, but he continued to love them and to reach out to them and to relate to them and to develop relationships with them. Do you have that kind of love for the people of God as well as for the unconverted? Do you have a love for the souls of men? How is that expressed? How is that seen? How does that work itself out in your life? Are you going to the lost and building relationships with them and talking to them in order to, to direct them to faith in Christ, like Jesus did, who was a friend of sinners, was, was notorious for that. that became, he was so notorious for that 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 became one of the chief criticisms of him by the Pharisees who were anything but loving. But Jesus displayed great love for the people of God. That was his highest level of love. But he also displayed great love for the unconverted. He was indeed a friend of sinners. Yes, he displayed this godly love, this, this uh, sacrificial love, this, this volitional love in which he loved because he decided to love. If he hadn't, where would we be? But God so loved the world, agape love, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is an amazing love. That is a divine love. That is an otherworldly love. That is, we might even say, an unnatural love. And I don't mean that 
in the sense of homosexual activity, God forbid, that is a sinful love, so-called love, that isn't really love at all, that's lust, as is adultery and fornication of any kind. But, yes, it is unnatural in, you know, in this world. But, of course, if you've been born again, if Christ is in you, then God has given you a capacity for something that is otherworldly, that is supernatural, that is not normal among the fallen sons and daughters of Adam. And if Christ is in you, then there should be some of that being seen, some of that developing in you. Do you see that there? Is that a, an evidence that Christ is present? Are you willing to examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith? Are you willing to test yourselves? Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless he's not. How do you tell? Humility, obedience, love, and how about word-centeredness? What do you mean? A love for the Bible. A love for the Scriptures. Jesus certainly manifested that characteristic. He loved the Word of God. He loved the Bible. He loved the Scriptures. He quoted that regularly. He quoted that even to Satan in his temptation, but he quoted that regularly. He kept pointing people to the Word of God. It has been written. You have heard that it has been said, and so forth. He was a man of the Word. He loved the Word. And if he's in you, then you should be a person of the Word. You should love the Word. Is that true of you? Does that give evidence that Christ is in you? Or do you conduct a style of Christianity that doesn't require much of the Word? And frankly, you like it that way. Not a good characteristic. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.